Hey, welcome back to the Quick Slant NFL Show. I'm your host, Colin Fan of the Quick Slant, and today we have a guest who's not our usual co-host, Anurag Sangha of the Quick Slant, and he's on to discuss some offensive line today. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Colin? I'm doing all right. So basically, today we're going to be talking about how the quality of offensive tackles and guards in the NFL have dwindled in the past couple of years, and so... Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things, but I think the biggest thing uh, here to discuss is the effect of the spread offense in college on offensive linemen. So what are your thoughts in particular about that? Well, Colin, as you can see, you know, recently we've had a trend in the NFL with spread offenses becoming more commonplace in college, as well as elements of those carrying over to the NFL. We've seen offensive linemen kind of transition from just the, the big the big fat road graders they used to be into some more athletic like move around blocking kind of kind of types that we've seen recently right. uh, an example that could be Lane Johnson with the Eagles um, and it, it just shows that you know you can't you gotta be have more mobility than you have to had to have in the past to be a successful offensive lineman so I think a lot of teams are looking for more people in the Lane Johnson kind of mold right and uh, it's been it's been hard to do because that's just uh, it's a new trend and it's not easy for some people to pick up Right, and I think the the biggest example of that, um, Wayne Johnson is a good one. I think Eric Fisher really is uh, one of the bigger examples. Uh, he came from a pretty big spread system at Eastern Michigan, and he did not do well his rookie season with the Chiefs. He was one of the worst offensive tackles in the league. And, uh, I mean, it's not like Eric Fisher isn't athletic. Eric Fisher is one of the most athletic tackles in the league, but we're seeing more... Uh, like you were saying, the spread offense doesn't ask a lot of tackles. You know, it's not a, run, a zone run scheme. It, you're not asked to do a lot of complicated things like sliding protection over or anything like that. It's usually just a one-on-one. It's the tackle or guard on the uh, defensive tackle or defensive end, and it's usually just one-on-one, and it's a battle of athleticism. But, you know, that's not the case when you get to the league. So the spread offense is definitely quite disparaging to players who are pouring into the NFL. Yeah, Colin, I can agree with you. The spread offense have really caused a steep learning curve for some of these offensive line. Especially in years past, I've seen some, you know, some big names really come in the NFL and just flounder from the onset. I think I've seen more draft busts at the offensive line position than any other position recently. And it's been, it's been a lot more commonplace recently than it has in the past. I mean, offensive line were used to be thought of as like safe picks that you could just plug in play for a decade or so at the bookend or something, but now you really got to groom them and make sure they're, they're you, you know what you're getting. Right, right. And, you know, back to the whole athleticism thing, it's like teams are getting tricked and deceived by, you know, combine workouts and pro day stuff. Greg Robinson, you know, he, he was supposed to be like the next Orlando Pace, next Hall of Famer, you know. This guy was supposed to be the safest pick in that draft, and look how bad he's been. For the Rams, he's oh, one of yeah. the worst offensive tackles in the league for sure, and uh, he was so bad that the Rams had to go out and sign Andrew Whitworth this year uh, and move Robinson to guard. Actually, he's been a horrible bust for them. And you know, back to the whole athleticism trend. Athleticism doesn't necessarily translate to technique. I mean, guys like a uh, David Bakhtiari on the Green Bay Packers. He's not the most athletic tackle in the league but he's he's a technician yes he's a technician he's technically sound i like his footwork he can get overmatched in uh speed ru- in matchups with speed rushers but uh 
he's still he's still a very technically sound tackle, and I, I think that's what teams are more likely needing. But everybody gets drunk with the combine workouts. Of course, and especially with a team like the Packers with mobile quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers, who like I said uses improvisational skills yeah, to create plays and everything. Um, you're gonna need like <clears throat> smart offensive linemen in today's NFL to really have success with these new wave mobile quarterbacks. And uh, it's something that teams like to look for in athleticism with college athletes, like offensive linemen. But then, you know, like you said, it's all about technique, and they just seem to lack that thoroughly. And like Greg Robinson was a great example. You know, he was thought to be a surefire bad, crazy athletic. He was huge. He would be a total mauler coming out of college. But really, he just looks – he just seems just completely lost out there. He's been an absolute revolving door at left tackle for the Rams. Right, and it's not like the Rams run a really complicated offense. It's not like they have Belichick's offense in place. They're running, you know, basically a high school offense. They're they're not really doing much. So. Uh, oh yeah, that team was just bad. Wow, they were painful to watch. Right, and it, it's like if uh, if Greg Robinson is having a hard learning curve trying to adjust to that offense, uh, it, it's hard to imagine what kind of effects the spread offense has on guys and, you know, the learning curve in, in terms of uh, adjusting to more pro-style type offenses. You know? Right, of course. And you mentioned Greg Robinson, but he just one example of a whole list of just shitty players that have come out of the, out of the college ranks to just play really poorly in the NFL. You know, you look at Luke Jokel. The Seahawks just signed him, I think, for $8 million, which is just nuts, which is the same as Dante Pogot today, which is just mind-boggling. Um, Jokel was just, did, oh, some speed rush just put an absolute clown suit on him coming off the end there. And he just looked awful in Jacksonville, torn ACL, broken ankle. He just looked too small, outmatched, and just had no confidence against his rushers. He was thought, again, to be a surefire thing, his second overall pick just a few years ago. And and it just it just baffling to see how awful he played like it wasn't even he wasn't even just a league average tackle he was bottom of the barrel and for the team to be spending number two overall picks on players like this is pretty 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 unbelievable yeah yeah no I agree I mean Jokel was so bad at tackle that the Jaguars had to sign Kelvin Beecham last year and they moved him inside to guard and was so bad at guard for the couple games he played in but he you know he he got injured and sat the season out but uh, Joko is just terrible um, all around. And uh, one thing I don't understand is, I mean, the Seahawks team see something in him. Obviously, you know, he had a lot of a lot of good college tape against a lot of great pass rush from the SEC and all. And he played with the mobile quarterback, and he, you know, he seemed to he seemed like his skills would translate. But the Seahawks team think they see something in him and they can fix him with Tom Cable of all people. I don't get that at all. <laughs> um, I just I, I think they think way too highly of themselves in that regard, especially given their inability to produce anything even like even uh, even resembling a real NFL offensive line. Um, they have failed to develop any players recently, and I just really think they're overpaying Jokel with this one. No, and yeah. that they are going to get absolutely nothing out of him, much like the Jaguars did. No, yeah, I agree. And just to talk about the uh, your Seahawks real quick, I, I mean. That line was a mess last year. I, I don't get the Jokel signing at all. You guys. Were oh, starting... yeah, that line had more holes than a belt. That thing was shitty. Yeah, I mean, you guys were starting George Fant last year, left tackle. Like, what the fuck is a George Fant? Like, I, I oh, don't, I don't know. even know. That, that guy was an idiot. That guy <laughs> Like, the, the, they were starting somebody who was playing uh, basketball at Western Kentucky uh, a year ago on their offensive line against uh, 
really good uh, defensive line competition. So uh, I don't get it. You guys missed out on TJ Lang, who you definitely yeah. should have signed. Your guards aren't very good. Uh, I, I don't like anybody. bad. Yeah, your guards are bad. I don't like anybody except for Justin Britt at center, and he's, like, average at best. So, I, I mean, yeah. The joke will Yeah, the fact that Justin sense. Britt's the, uh, you know, the consistent contributor on that offensive line is re- should really raise some red flags. And oh, that yeah. kind of takes back to, like, you know, the importance of the offensive line in the NFL to begin with. Like, you, can, you see the Seahawks team with just so much talent. It's all across the board in the secondary, linebackers, the whole defense, really, plus, like, some really key pieces on offense. Of course, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. Doug Baldwin's obviously a great receiver. But you've just seen this team flounder in the last couple of years, especially last year, largely because of just the inability of that one spot in the team, just the offensive line. Can't open holes to the running game, can't keep Russell Wilson upright. And you saw last year he got hurt with the ankle, and he was severely limited. So clearly, I think the offensive line needs to be addressed much more in Seattle as long as, as well as many, many other teams in the league. Yeah, and I mean, the, obviously the model uh, for that is, you know, Dallas. They have built their offensive line through the draft uh, in the first round for almost four, three, four years consecutively. Get, you know, getting back to the whole uh, Seahawks thing, we, saw, we just saw former Seahawk tackle uh, Russell Okung he got four years, $53 million, with 25 guaranteed from the Chargers. So now Russell Okung is the highest-paid tackle in the league. He makes $13 million a year. He's making more than guys like Trent Williams, Taron Armstead, Tyron Smith, Cordy Glenn, Joe Thomas. Like, oh, wow. The, the, you know, the market is just dry. Like, back to the whole, you know, point of the uh, offensive line thing. It's really hard to find quality offensive linemen. And with the way the market is, it's like teams are overpaying for guys who are subpar at best. I mean, Russell Oh, Okung, yeah. Russell Okung, you know, wore as welcome in Seattle as well as Denver. He played very, very ball at best his entire career. Never lived up to the expectations of being, the, what, the sixth overall pick all those years ago. And the fact that he's getting paid that much is absolutely absurd. Seeing that just shows you how desperate the Chargers were to bring some sort of stability to the offensive line. I mean, they just released DJ Fluker and the right tackle as well. I can't remember his name. King Dunlap. What's that? Oh, yeah, Dunlap also is out the door. I mean, that's both their tackles. And you could see, and those are both, like, DJ Fluker, again, another first-round pick, very high pick, supposed to be a sure thing out of Alabama. Another just total myth in the draft. Dunlap also, you know, just another, just an older player, has not showed nearly what he used to be. And uh, clearly the charges were that desperate they had went out and signed just an average player to superstar money. And just really shows how, how important uh, teams value the offensive line nowadays. Right. And, I, I mean, it's not like Okung was a, uh, a marketable upgrade over Dunlap. I mean, Dunlap was bad, but so was Okung. Okung was yeah, Okung is definitely fucking bad. Yeah, like he, he was not good in Denver. And, I, I mean, there, there were a lot of uh, other options out there on the market for uh, Sandy, a team like San Diego. I mean, there's like a Riley Reef. There were guys like Ricky Wagner, although he's more of a right tackle. Uh, there, right. There, there were just like, you know, a be- more bevy of options. And uh, although they did get signed to deals like pretty quickly, the, the free agency as far as tackles went this year was really baffling to me. Uh, especially oh, yeah, I was I was completely surprised by that. You know, another one you alluded to earlier was uh, Matt Khalil with the, with the uh, Panthers. 
Yeah, like he's getting five years, uh, fifty-five million with twenty-five guaranteed from Carolina. That is just unbelievable. He was not good in Minnesota. He was never lived up to his draft billing. He's coming off an injury. I just cannot understand why they would go out and pay someone like that when they could just draft someone. Even in the third or fourth round, that would uh, give him the same production as Khalil. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I don't understand it either because they still have Michael Orr on their roster. He makes Michael seven- Orr is so bad at football. <laughs> That is true. That is true. I don't dispute that. But it's not like Matt Khalil is all of a sudden so much of an upgrade over Ower. I think Ower and Matt Khalil are similar in terms of production. I mean, Matt Khalil consistently throughout his entire career has graded out, according to Pro Football Focus, as one of the worst tackles in the league every year. Right, yeah. And, they and he's still getting just superstar money. It's just baffling. Yeah, I don't get it. I Unless, you know... Khalil's injuries have just magically gone away. I don't understand this one for Carolina. They gave him more guaranteed money than Tyron Smith, who is probably the best left tackle in the league right now. And they, they could have just kept playing Ower. I, I don't understand paying Matt Khalil. Yeah, I know. It just shows what you, like, mean? how it just really po- um, points out the scarcity of even average or, like, potentially average offensive linemen. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Khalil or a guy like Jokel, as I alluded to earlier, who, you know, might have this potential, might finally come through with what they showed in college. I'm sure Greg Robinson will get a huge second chance, second chance somewhere to show what he showed in college and really tap into that athleticism at some point. But it just shows you how desperate teams are for offensive line help. And, yeah, just all those huge signings, I'm sure, are going to bite Carolina and L.A. respectively in the ass pretty soon because those are bad football players. And, I don't know, it just it, that also kind of points out how scared teams are to, I don't know, maybe spend a high draft pick on an offensive lineman because of how others have turned out in the past. What are your thoughts on this year's tackle and guard class? Oh, yeah, no, I think this is one of the worst tackle and guard classes. Well, not not necessarily for guards, but I think this is one of the worst tackle classes I've seen in a while. Yeah, I when agree. When your top prospects are Ryan Ramchick, who was playing Division Three football, uh, this is his first year in uh, Division One. I. I mean, he performed well, but there's not a lot of uh, tape to go with the production. Uh, also, you know, Garrett Bowles out of Utah, this dude's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. I, that, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. Oh, yeah. The learning curve is going to be steep for him. He's hyper-athletic, just like some of the other people we've seen come out in recent years, but extremely raw, relies way too much on the athleticism. I just, I just can't see him uh, coming in and being able to plug into an offensive line and play very well. There's going to be a steep learning curve for him. Right, and I, I agree, and especially um, looking at one of the most polarizing offensive tackle prospects this year, I mean, I've seen him as high as eight to Carolina in mock drafts. I've seen him fall to the second round. Cam Robinson. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still debating whether or not this guy is going to be a guard or a tackle in the league because I think he has very, very, very sizable footwork issues and just technicality issues with his hands. I've seen him too many times just – get bull rushed or uh, just beaten on the move, uh, beaten on the edge by a spin move or just a little quick speed rush. But um, I, I don't, I don't want to underplay how, how much of a uh, valuable prospect he is. He's very athletic and he could be a road grader as a run blocker, but I, I just don't like him in pass protection like any of right. his other uh, tackle prospects either. Like 
I don't think yeah, I agree with you in that, in that sense. Another issue with that is you play in like, you know, the Alabama offensive line, which is full of NFL talent and great coaching and all. So he wasn't necessarily – he didn't have to be that technician that you alluded to. He could just be that hyper-athletic big guy on the end there who just stood there, mauled in the run game and didn't really put that much effort into being a technician in the passing game like maybe he should have. Hopefully he can do it in the NFL, but, I mean, the odds might be a little bit long that he'll ever uh, – turn into an elite pass blocker um like you said earlier he could i could very well see him a guard just plug him in there have him maul in the run game i'm sure he'd have some success there but he, he would definitely scare me to draft as a tackle and the fact that that's one of the top tackles in the draft is really really kind of scares me and just shows you how weak the draft class is also yeah. another another player who could be you know a uh, tackle or guard is forrest lamb what are your thoughts on him uh, well, I think Forrest Lamp actually projects more of as a guard. I, his arm length isn't ideal at tackle, but I mean, again, going back to David Bakhtiari, neither was his, and he's made a niche for himself playing left tackle in Green Bay, but I'm just not sure uh, whether Forrest Lamp is necessarily David Bakhtiari. I would love him as a guard. He would be a very good guard, but I, I'm just not sure with his measurables if he could hold against, you know, uh, the ever-evolving um, defensive end position because uh, teams are now really the, the standard for defensive ends are changing, and that means the standard for offensive tackles have to change too. You have to have five, of course, yeah. yeah, you have to have two dancing bears at right and the left tackle because a lot of teams are moving, you know, their, uh, their best uh, pass rushers rusher around, yeah. to, the, to the right side to play against the weaker tackle. So, of course, yeah. I mean, just look at Tennessee. They had uh, Taylor Luan, and they drafted... Uh, uh, Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin. I was going to say Taylor Decker. But they drafted Jack Conklin last year, and uh, Jack Conklin was excellent. He was an all-pro in his rookie year. You know, that's a solid investment. Uh, that, that's really the model of what uh, teams want to follow. Also, Philadelphia, I mean, Jason Peters is aging a little bit, but Lane Johnson is an excellent right tackle. You know, just right. that model of consistency is like the new wave uh, for the NFL. That's that's true. I agree with that. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier. You know, like uh, talking about Forrest Lamp, the guard with the maybe less ideal measurables. Reminds me a lot of Jonathan Cooper a little bit. This was supposed to be a sure thing at guard a few years ago, but has obviously flamed out in the NFL. You know, flamed out with Arizona, been let go by New England recently. Just shows you another example of a really poor choice and just like a surprising draft bust. And uh, yeah, just just be wary of these players this year. Yeah, well, I mean, getting back to that, if I'm a team, I don't think I draft a guard unless he's John Hanna uh, in the top ten because guard and tackle have two exponentially different values. I mean, you can pick up a solid guard in the third round or fourth round. I mean, New England did this last year by picking up Joe Tooney out of uh, NC State last year, and he played. Oh, yeah, great pick. Yes. Um, so, you know, guard is a position you can find value at later in the draft. Tackle, not so much. It's usually the first and second round where you really get a tackle who can produce for you. I mean, there have been undrafted guys and even later round guys that have done that. But, you know, those are more anomalies than the norm. So Yeah, right. I agree with you. It, it, I mean, just look at some of the um, – I mean, last year, for example, like Jermaine Defetti. Like, even later round, or later, bottom half of the first round tackles, just, even that's just not a sure thing. He was also pretty ass as a, as a player last year. 
Yeah, I agree, but um, I, I have yet to kind of put my judgment on him because Seattle moved him to guard. He's definitely a tackle. So, I mean, I, I have to yeah. play tackle before I say he's bad, but he was just horrible at guard. And, I mean, uh, if, you're, if you're a team and you're taking a guard in the first round, you better be sure about it because, uh, I mean, look at teams that have gotten burned in the past. Tennessee with Chance Warmack. Uh, like you said earlier, Arizona with uh, Jonathan Cooper. Uh, I, the only first-round guard uh, that has really done well in the past couple of years is Zach Martin out of Notre Dame for Dallas. And, uh, he, right, and he had so much offensive line tutelage there with all those studs on that O-line. So. Yeah, and he played tackle in college, actually. So it's not like he was a guard his entire career. He was a tackle. So uh, Yeah. I mean, that, that could be the case for uh, Forrest Lamb. Maybe he... Uh, is that Zach Martin mold where is a tackle in college and then transitions to guard in the NFL is an excellent guard. But for the most part, I think this uh, draft class is extremely weak outside of the guards. Like, the tackles are terrible. I would not draft a tackle in this class. Right, yeah. yeah this is a pretty polarizing draft, especially with, you know, tackles and, like, the ever-standing debate about quarterbacks in this year's draft. So, yeah, you definitely have to focus on that on the positions that, you know, actually have some strength in this draft class. Yeah, that I, I agree. And, um, you know, back to the Seahawks, uh, one quick point before I let you go, because we're almost out of time. So if, if you are a Seattle, and I know you're, of course, a Seattle Seahawks fan, would you be, yeah. would you be angry if they uh, drafted an offensive tackle in the first round this year? Yeah, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, they've, they've struck out on... You know, too many, not too many, but like their fair share of the high tackle, guard, offensive line picks in the past few years. And at this point, we've kind of gone past the point of not having to worry about our secondary or our um, skill position players so much anymore. So I really think that some focus needs to be um, directed towards adding another cornerback, maybe picking up another receiving option, Russell Wilson. And there's definitely other, other holes in this team that weren't necessarily there in the past. I think they should have put more effort into the free agent market looking for a, you know, lamb that wasn't Luke Jokel to <laughs> plug in there. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think they should probably sway away. This is a very, very deep cornerback class, and I think they should look into that maybe. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, that would have been, you know, I, I had uh, Marlon Humphrey at first. I had him mocked to Seattle when uh, Chase and I did our mock draft. So um, I definitely think they should address the uh, cornerback position because I think that's a bigger need than, uh, well, no, I don't. Actually, that's a lie. I think <laughs> the biggest need on your team is offensive line. But uh, Of course. Just, yeah. just like we've been talking about, I just don't know if they're going to be able to find the solution they've been looking for for so long in this draft. Yeah, I I, I hate to see them overpay for someone in the fashion that um, San Diego did with Okung or Carolina did with Khalil. Oh yeah, I mean uh, they they kind of in a sense did with Jokel, but it, it's just a one year deal, so you can cut bait oh, with them yeah. after next. Yeah, year, so but, that's not too bad. But uh, again, Jokel's making more than your entire the rest of your line combined, so uh, that <laughs> that that's a little alarming. No, that's, that's very alarming, and I really hope they can get that sorted out because it's going to be sad to see that all that talent on that team squandered with just a weak offensive line. Yeah, 
I mean, at some point, you just somebody has to block for Russell Wilson, right? You can't like your window is going to close if you don't have anyone who can block for Russ. So uh, yeah, or worth that ankle injury that happened last year is going to turn into something serious, and we're going to be in deep shit. Or or that uh, was it an MCL? I think he uh, sprained an MCL, right? So oh right, yeah, yeah. If he uh, hit one more bad hit to the knee, and he could he could tear an ACL, so. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not just, something you want happen to a mobile quarterback. So no, he's a little guy. We gotta keep him upright. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Well, um, that we're gonna have to end it here. We're out of time, but uh, thanks for coming on to talk uh, offensive line today, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. See you. Yep. Bye.